This is a Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles, presented by Westside Honda and 204 Skate Shop. Motocross news from around the globe, but mostly between Emerson and Brandon. We're not experts over here, but we've got microphones. Check us out on the web at BigMXRadio.com. Welcome to the Big MX Podcast. I am your host, Brad Gephardt. With me on the line is two Manitoba motocross legends in their respect, both Chris Mellon and Josh Penner. This podcast brought to you by Westside Honda, 204 Skate Shop, and X-Brand Goggles. Take it away, Chris. Mr. Josh Penner, um, uh, explain yourself a little bit for the people. Uh, Who are you? Where do you come from? Um, where are you living currently? I am a farmer in southern Manitoba, about five minutes away from the border. I currently live alone and on a five-acre farmyard with a track. Well, I wouldn't say alone. You have two amazing dogs. Well, yeah, those are my kids. <laughs> and uh, track set up, ramps. I do dirt biking it's and sledding on the side for fun. Definitely a motocross and sled mini heaven with the tracks, sled ramps, and dirt bike ramps. You kind of built something up for yourself, being that there's not much around. Like you said, there's not much around, so I kind of just took things into my own hand and made things happen, what I wanted to do, and just went with it just to keep myself happy. Uh, when did you first get on a dirt bike? Yeah, it was 1998. Uh my dad took me to my first race in 97, and that was in Altona, Manitoba. Altona, nice uh, local race for you. Yeah. Yeah, 10 minutes away is Altona, Manitoba. And, uh, yeah, so I won a dirt bike. You took your first race there, and did you ever have, like, mini bikes growing up, or did you have bikes before you showed up at that first race? No, I'm... After that race, I wanted a dirt bike really bad, so then my dad made me save up for my own dirt bike. So I mowed lawns for about a whole year, mowing my whole family's yards, charging them like 30 bucks an hour so I could save up for this dirt bike. Entrepreneur. Well, yeah, you need to give That's right. You got to start to hustle young and uh, you want to make it motor. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, Josh, is it safe yeah, to say that that, uh, that track in Altona, it's not there anymore, Laguna Cross Raceway, was that your favorite track growing up? I would say that was pretty high on the list. Like, that track had everything. Yeah. Big ruts. Rollers in the back section big, there. Big whoops, rollers, like actual like supercross whoops in the back, big tabletops, and triples, doubles. Stuff that are like illegal now in Manitoba. Yeah, so they <laughs> don't they don't allow any fun anymore. No, I know. <laughs> Cut the fun. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> what was your favorite bike growing up? Well, I'd, I'd have to say the bike that I bought. It was a Honda. So okay, you know your your, your favorite bike is always the bike that you buy, right? For sure. But no, like uh, look, who did you look up to as a youth? Like we we flipped through magazines, we watched Supercrosses. Who caught your eye? And who uh, really gave you that drive to uh, want to get faster? Before I even had a bike, I had McGrath posters and cutouts of magazines all over my wall. And I had a signed poster from Mike Harms from that first race I ever went to in Altola. There you go, oh, Mike nice. Harms. That, that's a collector's item right yeah. there. I, I guarantee you'd like to look today. at that for sure. I know, right? Yeah, you might have to throw back Thursday that if you can, uh, you can find it somewhere. I don't. I have it. So, so being that maybe my, the, I, maybe I threw it away when I first beat him. I'm not sure. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Ooh, that was rough. <laughs> jab, jab. Um, so, so being that uh, in this day and age, you would have got started. Um, like, how old were you when you uh, started first got a motorcycle? I was 10 years old. My first got a motorcycle, and then my first year racing, I turned 11. Nice, so we get right into it. Yeah, obviously you want to go to Alcona and see what you can do. No, actually, so my, first race was, my first race was in Balder at Jimmy Frederickson's track. Mm-hmm. At, not not a lot Oh, you know, got to laugh. Got to laugh. 
<laughs> Been there. Still there. <laughs> so how many years did it take you to uh, start having some uh, local success in Manitoba? That whole year I got last. Well, except for like the last three races. After my dad gave me shit and yelled at me and and uh, motivated me <laughs> that we weren't going to go to the races anymore, then I started doing better. <laughs> so you just needed a little motivation, that's what you're saying. Yeah. I just need to be. I just need to be scared a little bit and get a little fire in my pants, and away we went. Fair enough. So you like once that fire was ignited, you enjoyed some success uh, in the uh, the ADCC amateur ranks. I I assume. Yeah, the next year, um, he uh, he noticed I really wanted it, and then he got me a brand new bike, and then I won the championship in the seven and twelve class, racing with Lee Stewart and Kerry Kadju. Mm-hmm. So th- that was your main rivals growing up. Those. Uh, Kerry could do. He was excellent uh, mini rider as well as Lee. Uh, both of you guys ending up at the, all three of you ending up at the pro class at some point. What was it like racing against those guys growing up? Well, I mean, we were all just best buds. I mean, I, I met Lee at my very first race in Boulder, and Kerry was there with me. Like, we started from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, Kerry was there from even before we even started racing because we knew each other from hockey. And then, yeah, Lee was there next. So then, I don't know. We didn't care about results or who beat who. We just wanted to hang out and screw around. <laughs> yeah, if you happen to win some motos along the way, all the better, right? Yeah, we were just pumped. I mean, if me and Lee would have a good battle, we'd just be just as pumped as ever. So we never really got mad at each other or anything. It was always a good time. Awesome. So 1999 rolls around, and a young Josh Penner on a Yamaha, number 45, out front of the junior class here in Manitoba. Uh, tell us a little bit about your step onto the big machine and uh, how you were able to take that success from the ADCC to uh, the big bike. Oh, it seemed like everything just got easier because I was a really fat kid, and... Uh, <laughs> That really hindered my ADCC power. So as soon as I got on 125, everyone was just like, oh, this is way better. Yeah, no power valve on that Yamaha. I, just, I was able to ride that 125 like I was in my 80 because I had so much fat and weight and I could just throw it around and nothing was an issue. And uh, to, to give these people a picture, like, uh, what was your height and weight in 1999, roughly? <laughs> Really? You want to know? Uh, well, yeah. Dude. Oh, well, a rough guesstimate anyway. I'm guessing around like 5'9", probably 190, almost 200 pounds. That's a big boy, Josh, yeah. especially on a 125. But uh, you made the thing well, work. I remember uh, that was uh, one of my, my, my very first years even watching, and uh, it was amazing to see you absolutely fly uh, with the rest of the guys in the junior class. Uh, it's always been a very pretty quick class, even though it's uh, two steps below the pro division. Um, moving into the, the pro ranks, um, you, you were able to get some help uh, from, from some, some, some sponsors. Who are your favorite first sponsors? Um. My very first sponsor was 204 Skate Shop when I was still on 80s, back when I was doing arena crosses. He sponsored me and Lee right off the hop for some reason. I don't know. I guess he thought we were cool. No, it was... See, no, Josh Josh will never give himself enough credit, but he had better style on an 80 when he wasn't at the front of the pack than any of you guys at the front of the pack. So once he got onto the bigger bikes, the style carried on, and uh, you know that's going to happen. Like when kids have style at a young age and they don't have to develop it as much, you know they're going to go somewhere. So that is why that 204 skate shop place would have sponsored you. Oh, I thought you just thought I was funny, a big kid riding a bike, and you thought felt sorry for me. I'm sure that contributed, <laughs> nah. but uh, you were pretty damn fast as well. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Moving on to, uh, like, you ripped up the junior class, you moved into the intermediate, uh, I believe, the very next year, if not later that year. You must have done your first national, you were an intermediate, yes? Correct. Uh, what, uh, where, where were you? Set us the scene a little bit, track, 
And uh, what do you remember about the day? Well, I'll start at this. That that year was a very that was a very big year. I mean, I went from junior winning both championships, and then I moved up halfway into intermediate during the fall series. Fall series, I won the youth championship when I was still 15. So technically, I wasn't was still allowed to, yeah. Yet, but they let it fly, and then I tried qualifying for my first pro national in Grunthal, Manitoba. I was still 15. I just barely missed it by one spot. Later that same weekend, I was running the national circuit in the intermediate class too, so I was racing against Colton Plotsy audience stuff. And I was running in fourth about, and I swapped to those rollers and busted my pro tapers in half. Uh oh. That was uh, er early years of pro tapers. They'd only come out maybe five or six years previous to that. Yeah, so that was the end of that weekend. But I was close. I mean, it was, it was a big weekend for sure. Awesome. Well, uh, like that must have uh, taken you some success. Like you've you've you won the uh, the intermediate class uh, in two thousand or in ninety nine. Moved into the pro class in two thousand, or did you not move up till oh one? No, you know what? I never did win an intermediate championship. Okay. I was in the points lead coming into the last race, and. I was in position to win both classes that last race, but then I ended up crashing and branding over the uphill triple and going to the hospital, so then I got second and third. So apparently you can't win races from the hospital bed, You've right? proven that there, uh, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all yeah. I'll, yeah, everyone on this phone call can, uh, can fully attest to that, me especially. Um, so, so Josh, when you were on the road to these nationals, I guess uh, Racer X Canada Magazine obviously seen something in you, and uh, they offered a couple guys the factory ride for a day. Um, uh, what really did that program entail, and uh, how did that come about? I'm not sure how exactly that... Oh, you know what? Yeah, that was, there was a thing on uh, DirectMX on the website saying they were going to do factory rides for the day and they and then they're accepting emails on why you think you should be accepted and whatnot and just like a resume type thing. So I sent in my thing and and me and Ryan Miller got accepted for Manitoba. And that's how that came about. I got accepted for Regina. No, Morden. I got accepted for Morden and then I ended up crashing and getting a, a concussion, and then they let me ride in Regina under the tent again as, like, a, yeah, a second chance type thing. Yeah, that's, uh, what year that's, was that again? Ooh. I believe that's 06. Well, he did hit his head, yeah. so you can't. Right, so. he, he, the, the memory might be a little fuzzy, but what I do remember about that weekend was Josh Penner on, I believe, a number 67 national number, Greg's Custom Sled Suzuki, which was that was the year of the Kawasaki uh, Frankenbike uh, Suzuki, and uh, him getting quite uh, sideways off of that downhill uh, lifter going down into the valley. No, no, no. Brad, let me, let me clarify okay. this. I was... Ninety-two on a Honda doing that whole. That's right. That's right. Now I'm... doing the whole circuit. Okay. The next year after that, I was seventy-six, but I was ninety-two. Yeah. yeah. Ninety-two well, national Greg, number next... three was your uh, provincial number there. Year I think. Yeah, I rode for Greg's the year after that's right. that. So that was that would have been oh six, two thousand seven. I rode Suzuki. Okay. The local series. Um... You, you've raced in Manitoba. Uh, I don't believe you have a, 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 a pro title to your credit, or do you? Which do. one was that? I have a 2009 MX1 Spring Series Pro 450 Championship. Oh, okay. Right on. Yeah, I, uh, I, I do remember you. When I mean, you came back, I believe it was in 08 on Suzuki's. Absolutely uh, put the boots to everybody. Like, especially in Melita, you're a sand specialist. Uh, why do you seem to be so uh, comfortable in the sand? I have no clue. I don't have sand anywhere near me. I know. Me. That's 100% <laughs> truth. <laughs> I ride hard is that part like 24-7. <laughs> uh, is that part of the reason you guys packed up going to St. Joey? Because uh, isn't that a notorious sand track? 
Saint Julie's hardback. Uh, you're thinking of. Oh, is that? Uh, you're thinking about Go for Dunes? Yeah, Go for well, I have no idea. I just know there's some. One there's of those three gnarly sand tracks tracks. on the Canadian circuit. You could uh, you could name off pretty much any of them and 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 either hit hard pack or, or deep deep sand. No, I had some decent results at Go for Dunes too. I mean, uh, last time I raced there, I crashed a bunch, but I still finished. 16th, I remember, even after going down, so I was happy with that. Well, that track is all early. And Melita I always did good at if I stayed up, and I don't know, it's sand. It's sand. I mean, like, what? What do you got to do? You got to lean yeah, back. Yeah, it's, it's it. a fairly simple uh, <laughs> formula. Lean back, pull with the uh, pull, pull with your arms as hard as you can to keep that fr- front end nice and light and, uh, and just pin it. So, uh, you seem to have had that mastered so far. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't ridden sand a long time. I mean, Manitoba hasn't had a sand track on the circuit in a while anymore. That's so. That's absolutely true. Like, uh, I think the only uh, decent sand track is Rough Woods Raceway, and it's not on the circuit just yet. It's uh, out at uh, Matt Clausen's house. But um, how many MMA uh, series championships do you have to your credit in total, going back from '80s to junior, and I guess you didn't get any intermediate, but uh, as well as your pro. Well, how how many plaques do you have on the wall? I have seven amateur ones and one pro one. I remember winning since we had that spring and fall series uh, thing way back in the day. I remember winning four in one year. Yeah, so on you can 80. do that. You can actually even do that in two different classes. If you move up from intermediate or junior to intermediate, you could win the juniors and then the the intermediates, which you almost did if you hadn't uh, wadded yourself and branded. Exactly. But, uh, but the uh, the the best whip or best trick contests have uh, made a comeback in 2013 and look to be returning in 2014. How do you get those whips so rad and uh, and make it basically a non-contest? He, I really don't know. I mean, I, I guess when you just practice whips, you just kind of try and lean a little bit harder or turn a little bit harder a certain way and then see how they work. I mean, you always look at pictures and be like, okay, I want to do that. So then you go out and try that. And you just, just little things like that. Or especially when I was down in California and then you talk to guys like Tom P and like they, they do like different gearing and they like, they got those things down pat to a science home. Yeah. Like Tom P seems to have a, a bit of a formula with the, the, the gyro and all that. And I think we're, uh, we're looking to do one of these uh, with him as well. Um, so, uh, it was that kind of a way for you to kind of get back into the moto scene. Like I, we hadn't seen you at a local race in a little while, and uh, you're kind of off in your your compound on the farm and and dialing those in. Is that a way that you kind of uh, found some some success and and started to uh, really take charge in the motocross world again? Uh, I don't know. I was just trying to take a year off and just have fun riding and teach some schools and just have no pressure and have some fun. And then my buddy. Jesse Cherry, he's like, hey, you need to build a ramp. That'd be fun. <laughs> so he convinced me to build a ramp, and then I did, and I don't know, I could just crank some big whips off it, and that's how it all kind of began. And then I just started from there and did uh, school. So it wasn't really planned. I just kind of go with the flow of stuff. Well, sometimes that's how the best uh, the best scenarios end up unfolding is to just uh, let them do their thing. Uh, a little bit of bench racing uh, from uh, the – the, the world of motocross right now. Um, Justin Barsha's move on uh, Malcolm Stewart, uh, just getting off topic for a second here, popped into my head. Um, what's your reaction on that that move and also uh, Mookie's reaction to that takeout? <laughs> that fine is freaking ridiculous. And, I mean, that was just in the heat of racing. Barsha's going for a block pass. He missed that rut with his front tire fell in the, in the process of block passing him. They both fell. Mookie's pissed off. He's got his adrenaline going, like, whatever. Yeah, yeah it was pretty uh, pedestrian shove as well. It was kind of more of a what-the-heck man rather than, like, a malicious, like, he's not intending any injury there. If anyone uh, is is, try, is planning anything uh, overly aggressive, it would have been Barsha. But in my opinion, I think he just blew the, the line that he was looking to, to put his front tire in. That's why it... Like, uh, 
Mookie ended up being on, on top of Barsha. I'd imagine with a takeout, a block pass like that, you don't imagine they're going to be on top of you by the end of it. Uh, you know, that that's just a heathen yeah. race type thing. But Mookie's just as aggressive as Barsha's, Barsha mm-hmm. is. I've seen him do all sorts of aggressive stuff like that. So they're both aggressive guys that get fired up. So it's, it's, pretty, it, it's good to see for the fans. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they should just settle down a bit. <laughs> Well, I, th- I think after the the Alessi thing, there's been some pressure on them to make some examples of guys, and uh, unfortunately, maybe uh, Mookie's the uh, the recipient of that. Yeah, going forward, I'm not sure how they'll uh, assess things. You- All right, Big MX listeners, commercial time. And listen up, because somewhere in these commercials is a trivia question you don't want to miss out on. We don't yet have some real commercials from the sponsors that we've gotten so far, but these are a few gems from Supercrosses gone by. Hope you enjoy. Buddy Antonis, Josh Demuth, Dusty Lange, all the kings of Arena Cross are coming. Extra Chewing Gum presents the National Arena Cross Series. The best motocross riders return to tear up a mind-bending track built for shoulder-to-shoulder racing, unbelievable airtime, and incredible punishment. And kid seats are still just half price. Arena Cross. February 28th, March 1st and 2nd, Arco Arena. 1-800-COLLECT presents Ava Sabalot and Jeremy McGrath. Hey, champ. Need to make a call? Yeah, and I don't have any change. No pockets. Ever hear of 1-800-COLLECT? Are you kidding me? So you know it saves at least a buck or two. And it's easy to remember. So for your collect call... I'm dialing 1-800-COLLECT. Smart boy. Hey, you've been riding long? It's my first time. What a hell Say a buck or two. Trivia time, guys. Submit your answers to bradgebhart88 at gmail.com. That's my name, bradgebhart88 at gmail.com. Your question. What number did the legendary Tim Ferry wear in his 1997-125 championship season in Supercross? We'll keep this open for two solid weeks. The correct answers will be put into a hat, and we'll draw a name of the correct answers for a $25 gift certificate to the iTunes store. It's gonna be a monster! The Monster Motocross Nationals are coming! Sunday, June 19th at the Wild Rose MX Park in Calgary. The gate drops at noon for an awesome five hours of extreme action sports racing you'll never forget. Get up close to the most intense horse Bar-to-bar battles and huge airs. Check The Monster Motocross Nationals. Sunday, June 19th, Wild Rose MX Park. You mentioned earlier on that you were a bit of a, a pudgy kid, and uh, although I didn't uh, really, uh, I, I didn't even notice growing up as like uh, as an eighty rider, and you were uh, in pretty pretty stealth, very in shape by the time uh, you were racing in the pro class. Um, what's your training regimen like? I know you're uh, you're a fitness nut now. You absolutely love to stay active. Uh, what's that regimen like for you now? And um, like, uh, how did you develop that? It all started well after my first year of pro. I was 18, and I was I was really big. I was really big then. I was like 240 pounds, and then I was just gassed, and I really wanted to do good. I had a few good rides, like fourth and whatnot, in the provincial series, even though I was that big. But then by the end, I was gassed. So I was like, "Okay, frick, I gotta take this seriously and start training." I just did everything on my own and got. Like I lost like 80 pounds. I was too skinny. I just kept getting injured and whatnot. So then I went. I went to Fredericton Performance Center, and then I got started there. Got on an actual program. Got things going. Got some strength back in me, and then I started doing really good again. And I've just been hooked. I mean, there's no better feeling than racing a race without getting tired. Yeah. And uh, you, and you found that at Fredericton. <laughs> Being able to practice till your gas tank runs empty, and you can just keep learning so much stuff when you're not tired, and you just constantly be focused and think and be in control and not crash as much. It's it's a good feeling. So now I'm back there training again this winter. Feels good to be going hard again. It's tough work, but it's worth it. Excellent. And uh, Fredrickson's like that's that's been a, pr- a huge cornerstone in your program. What what types of things do they have you do? So much stuff I can't even explain. Every time I go there, 
to get my program switched up. It's something new, and it's just it's it's different. I'll just put it that much. You you got to go there and experience for you for yourself. You'll be blown away. Right on, Fredrickson Performance Systems out in Brandon, Manitoba. Well, if if anyone, uh, Jim Fredrickson is also a local pro racer, uh, and if anyone grew up watching him ride and race, uh, he's a very very intense individual, and I'm sure that does transfer over to his training regimen. Very intense. It's it's strict business there when you're training. Like a lot well, of guys, put it this way. a lot of guys go <clears throat> running to the bathroom, not feeling too well. Yeah, he's, he doesn't take any guff from uh, any of you guys. Doesn't take it easy whatsoever. And that's uh, really what you look for in a in a training regiment that someone's going to hold you accountable to put the work in. Some of that some of that work that you put in, you were able to put to good use at a uh, a, a trip down south. Uh, I, I understand uh, you and the other gentleman on the phone. Went uh, down to Cali uh, just after the new year. I'll let the two of you guys uh, kind of rehash that guy a little bit. Well, yeah, it was, it was awesome. <clears throat> well, yeah, obviously, Josh, it was Josh's deal. He's been hooking up with uh, Les Parsons and a couple of the local guys down south through Instagram and local media or social media. And as soon as he asked me if I wanted to go down with them, the obvious answer is yes. But, uh, yeah, it involved about... 36 hours of driving straight down there, and uh, but yeah, we were just down there to ride, eh, Josh? Yeah, just ride. We uh, we spent three days on the track, just getting motos in, getting our arm pump away, just getting used to the bike again, um, and then uh, we took a day off, and then the next while, the rest of the trip, we spent on ramps, so we hooked up my buddy from Chris Foster came down. I mean, my buddy from BC, Chris Foster, he rides for Monster Energy Canada. He also is making stuff happen. He's trying to train for Speed and Style and X Games in the upcoming years. So he met us down there, and we all got hooked. We all got situated at my buddy's place there in Riverside, uh, Brandon Kruger, Chase Locke. And we all stayed there together, and then we just rode ramps. We rode at Wyvern Motorsports, which is... Uh, now it, it's now Robert Motorsports, but it's an old Red Bull compound, which was, has new owners and stuff. And Les Parsons is a rider there. He let us all come down there and ride with Lance Curry. And um, that's the who's who of freestyle in uh, uh, what would be the mecca of motocross down in uh, California. What was it like to ride with those guys? Pretty incredible. We also got to ride out at. Uh, Milestone has ramps there. Javier, Javier, Javier. <laughs> he let us ride his ramps there at Milestone, and he is—he's off the hook. Like he does stuff. I've yeah, that was an amazing day. He, have, yeah, I've never even seen stuff before like that. It's just ridiculous the stuff he does. And There's his like ramps are—they're are intense. Like there was no safety deck. It was straight up. Peak landing. Oh yeah, I took a look at those. No, no, I remember where I was day one. Like we showed up, there was still snow on the trailer, pretty much. And Josh was looking at these landings, like man, like I wish uh, maybe he had a bit of a safety deck there. But we're <laughs> going back to the milestone moto days, like day one riding. Um, you said that you felt rusty, but you sure didn't look rusty. Like how? How do those tracks compare to the tracks here for putting in time and learning? Like, obviously, it's an advantage down there to be able to ride 12 months a year. But, I mean, those tracks that we rode, um, just, like, the, explain how, much, how how great they are, pretty much. Well, yeah, they're groomed and watered in the morning. It's like showing up to race day. And then stops halfway through the day to rewater them or fix anything that needs to be fixed. Like, I think that just blows away us uh, little local Manitobans here, how much effort they do put into their tracks. And, and But riding these tracks, like, um, were you more excited to go down in moto or were you more excited to go down and hit the ramps with all, uh, all those big guys? I was more excited to hit the ramps with all those big guys because, I mean, that's all new to me and I've never ridden with them. And motor tracks are motor tracks, right? You can ride a good motor track anywhere if it's prepped all the same. True, true. And uh, but back to the wyvern, like, um, just to paint the picture, like this is in the hills of California, uh, green sunsets, everything. Like, 
that ride that we went up to to the top of that peak and that fifth year booter that Parsons was hitting, like I think that kind of puts us in check too, like what these guys actually do every day. Like there's huge booters everywhere around that compound, and uh, I'm sure we didn't even get to experience all of it. No, like we showed up there, uh, our all our jaws just dropped in awe of this like massive playground. There's motor tracks, there's speed and style, there's freestyle rounds, foam pits. It's like you need to stay there for a full week to explore the whole place. But then again, they they were in the biggest drought ever, and um, there wasn't a lot to do in the hills because it was so dry. So we just pretty much stuck to the ramps. Yeah, I understand you also got to hang out at uh, Ronnie Renner's uh, place there in the, at Paula. That looked like a, a pretty insane uh, setup as well. They had the foam pit there. I, I don't imagine you got to, to hit that thing up, but uh, some pretty big hits at that location as well. Yeah, his ramps too. He had a really nice landing. He had a bit of a safety deck on it. It was really steep. Like he hit that landing, and it was just butter. Um, it's pretty locked down. His place, big gate on it and stuff. But that was something else to ride. Like that was like highlight my life right there because you grow up watching that guy. That guy is like an OG of freestyle. I remember him back in the day taking whips to the next level. And seeing seeing that on TV, and it's just like, wow, he's like the first person to go upside down and whip. And, and then, then all of a sudden, you're following him and going upside down behind him. Yeah, doing loops with him, and I've just got this big grin on my face. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get off. And I, yeah, just like a little kid in a candy store that day. I yeah, like doing uh, laps around the Supercross track with MC. That's uh, He's the best of the best in terms of uh, getting the bike upside down backwards or sideways and uh it's 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 cool that uh he saw your skills and was able to uh give you props and respect what you're doing as well yeah that was, that was pretty neat for sure and then tom parson shows up there and just goes completely insanely upside down like there's gonna be no one in this world that's gonna beat tom parson's whip i it's just impossible i think chris your comments, please. It is insane. Yeah, like, when you, when you watch Tom P, like, seriously, like, I'm not hitting the ramps here. I go to Pal, I'd ride the vet track for a bit, but it's almost, the, like, I'm caught between two places. Like, do I want to ride this? And I look over, and they're in Renner's loose compound. You see these guys flip in doing crazy whips, and it's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go watch what they're doing for a bit. And, but Parsons whips, the way he hits it, like, shit. He blowed his rear tire from the inside of his rim, and Josh was nice enough to change it for him. Like, who blows out a tire from the inside? Like, just he wore it down because he hucked so hard. But when he leans in, he almost pulls himself into the bike, and that pulls the bike into him. And it's just crazy to watch in person. Like, it's the truth. And even little fun things that they're doing, like, Parsons is like, yo, uh, you guys ever tried to, like, huck off the ramp and see how far you can go, like, off to the right? And so Penner and Foster go, and, you know, they're hucking about 10, 15 feet off. Then here comes Parsons just, like, fucking hucks and almost runs on a landing. He's, like, 40, 50 feet off to the side. Like, I have videos just off my iPhone that, I mean, have been shared, and they make me drool every time I watch them. Like, the, just the way that he handles that motorcycle is like no other person I've ever seen. And I'm not trying to blow the guy, it's the truth. A true testimonial from a guy who knows what's going on when he watches a motocross race. But do you, do you agree, Josh? Like, the way that he pulls himself into the bike just gives it that extra... Tom P has often been, like, he's described a whip as he's almost trying to loop it out on the face, which I've done that part without actually bringing it back, but uh, he seems to have mastered the uh, the the other portion of it, which is landing on both wheels. Well, and see, Josh, I hope we will be able to do this again. And, I mean, as amazing as a trip was, like, we wanted to fit in Glamis. We wanted to fit in everything. And, I mean, we pretty much rode every day that we could. But what's on the bucket list for the next trip down there? Next time, maybe Twitch won't be injured and we can go and hit up the hills wherever they go. Like, that that's something we wanted to do, but we never got to do because the hills were so dry. Yeah, maybe get some rain. It's it's, uh, it's uncommon for, for motocrosses to wish for rain, but uh, and when, when you have such landscape out there that requires it, 
uh, and and is so so good after a good rain. Uh, it would be nice to see you guys rip up the hills. Uh, I gotta imagine that'd be uh, very much video worthy. Oh, especially. I mean, we brought down Carson Weed with us. He's really good, and he's like he's he's amazing at video and pictures and stuff. Like yeah. he's also one of our top pros in Manitoba, but he just loves to video and take pictures and just hang out. So, so he was stoked on the whole thing, and he wanted to see all these uh, these big riders and big names. So he wanted to videotape them and also get practice videoing guys at Milestone on the Supercross track. So we brought him along and he got all his videos in and um, it was good. And we'll bring him out, try and bring him out next time we go too. I mean, you definitely want to hit up those hills and get some free ride videos and I'm sure Foster will be with us again and Parsons. Well, and, 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 and having Carson there was definite, uh, definitely a plus. And with his GoPro helicopter helicam, some of those shots are amazing and you can't replicate them with, uh, you know, without it. And, um, uh, do you remember one time where you had a close encounter with, uh, this helicopter? <laughs> we were always trying to see how close we could get to that thing. And then, <laughs> and you found was, out, didn't you? There was a two lane thing at Wyvern and one lane was like the ramp. And the next lane was this three pack of these, big doubles on the side of the hill and I guess Carson didn't know I was coming along the dirt jumps and then there was the helicopter in midair nailed it in the arm luckily nothing broke just the batteries fell out but we figured that how'd that feel on your arm (laughs) I just stung a bit no big deal no big deal yeah UFO until you realized what it was. Um, speaking of, of, of trips, it looks sounds like uh, after you're, you've now uh, you've had some knee surgery, you've cleaned that thing up uh, to get some uh, get, get all healed up. But you're heading off to Alaska in short order. Uh, that's a little other side of your uh, your your world. Uh, we have, we we get twelve months of uh, of construction as well as six months of w- winter and six months of, of summer. And snowmobiles have become a big part of your life. Uh, tell us a little about 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 that uh, Alaska trip. Not Alaska, to correct you there. I'm going out to Revelstoke with. I'm Even going better. to Brett Turcotte's place in Revelstoke. We're gonna go ride in Revy and Whistler and um, try and get some shots and have some fun and dig some big booters and take some pics. Uh, going out there for about three weeks and yeah. See what happens. Awesome. Are you guys doing some filming? Who's who's that filming for? Yeah, possibly do some filming. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some Slednex filmers out there, uh, maybe 509. It all depends. Excellent. And how did that all come about? I, I don't uh, I don't recall you being uh, much of a sled guy growing up, but uh, seemed to have taken to it quite quickly. Uh, yeah. I've always want I've always wanted to race snowcross when I was little, but my dad wouldn't let me. He's like, it's one sport or the other. So then we always just stuck with motocross because I was already doing good at motos- motocross. I was always so jealous of my cousin Elliot Ginter because he got to race both. <laughs> and, That's right, the Ginter brothers. Yeah, and I always just hammered out my parents' trail sleds, and they would always just get pissed off at me. But, uh, no, so then last year I just bought my own sled and started, uh, building my own ramp and doing my own thing. And, uh, my buddy, Brett Turcott, I met him racing nationals way back in the day. He was also an up, up and comer in the intermediate class. I met him out doing nationals. So then he hit me up once I got a sled and he's like, Hey, you should come out to BC and ride and, uh, that's how everything sort of come out, come about. We did some. He came out this way and raced the Fargo Pro National Snowcross race, and did pretty awesome. Got eighth out of fifteenth for his first race ever in two and a half years. And then Sunday, oh yeah, and the 509 filmer was out there. Mike Reeves, he was out there documenting the whole thing. And then Sunday we came up to my place and rode my my yard and compound or whatever and and we 
just shared my sled and we hit my ramp and my double and stuff and did some filming time when I and had a good time and that was it. Now I head back out to Revy in ten nine days I think. Excellent. Uh, I, like I've, I've been looking at the snow reports because uh, I am an avid skier. It looks like they've gotten uh, a little bit of snow lately. Uh, hopefully uh, you guys get uh, a fair bit while you're out there and enjoy some soft landings off of those booters. Um, looking looking forward, um, what uh, what are your plans for the future? Uh, uh, you're you're dealing with uh, some some knee uh, recovery right now. I hope that goes well. Uh, but what are your goals for 2014 on both the snow and the dirt? Yeah, right now I'm just trying to get this knee good before I wreck it again. I guess I should say. I mean, we all get injuries when we don't expect them, but they're part of the sport. So I'm just going to do what I can with the time I got um, and practice at the same time. But for this up and coming years, I currently got onto a team out of Quebec, Team PRMX for motocross. And they want me to do some nationals, so I'm going to race some nationals. I want to do two in the West, probably Calgary and Regina, and a couple in Ontario. And I'm sure I'll be busy harvesting. I would like to get a top 10 finish before I die. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm going for that. But, I mean, this year has been pretty big in the CMRC National Circuit. There's a lot of Americans coming up. There's going to be a lot of fast guys. Uh, so just do my best, see what happens. Um, pretty lucky to ride for them. I don't know why I get offered to be on a team when I'm this late in my career, but whatever, I'll take it. I'm pretty fortunate and thankful of it, that's for sure. Um, Provincially-wise, I'll race when I can. Uh, pretty busy in the farm. I'm older, more responsible. I've got to think about work too and all that crap. I'll do what I can there and do the best again. Yeah, try and finish in the top three and rep my sponsors the best I can. Um, what else? Sleds? Well, I would like to just keep doing what I'm doing. I mean, every year get better and just have fun with it. Sled's a blast. There's no pressure there with free riding and stuff. I, I'm i not on no team. I mean, I got people help me out with sleds and stuff, but they know it's just free riding and it's no pressure. I just do jumps and have fun and post pictures and it's a good time. If I get to be able to film, then sweet. I mean, it's been my life, like my childhood dream to be in a sled movie or a dirt bike movie, so... That's my goal right there, to be in a movie and have fun with it and no pressure. I'm not into I'm not into like the the freestyle shows or anything. I don't I, I would never go for X games or nothing. I just like the the backcountry free ride part of it. Just I mean, I don't know, maybe you start throwing whips on it and stuff like my dirt bike, who knows? Cool. Well, I'm well, sure it you seems like you're into it for the right reasons, so that's uh, that's excellent. What were you gonna say, Chris? <laughs> I don't know. Like like I said, I like the no pressure part of it, though. True, true. Um, and uh, going back to Chris Foster, for any people who don't know who he is, um, check out his monster-sponsored video "Limelight" on YouTube. Uh, it's over three hundred thousand views. It's a amazing kind of Canadian free ride vid. And um, kind of a new thing, a new one, you know, kind of the way the sports are going, I think. And yeah, if you haven't watched that video, you should definitely check it out. And also, go follow Turcot16 on Instagram. I mean, you'll probably be hearing him on the show sometime soon, maybe. Yeah, we talked to him about having one of these. Yeah. Yeah. He's also uh, probably one of the best free riders out there for big mountain free ride and also a top snowcross racer in the world. Like he's, he's huge and he's killing it. So props to him. And how would uh, people follow you on social media, Josh? Ah, uh, the, 
button that turns green, right? Turns yeah, green. Follow at Tenor Seventy on Instagram or Josh Penner on Facebook. Yeah, Penner Seventy on Instagram, Josh Penner Facebook. And uh, I noticed that you mentioned uh, you had some sponsors for Moto. Um, who uh, who's helping you out right now? Uh, is more or less a, a privateer effort. You are. Uh, You've gotten taken on by that Pierre uh, MX out of uh, Quebec, but uh, who's all helping you out for that? Yeah, Team Pierre MX. Uh, you can follow on Instagram at Team Pierre MX. Um, he's a rep out of Quebec. He also promotes Nova gloves, uh, Hindle exhaust, Kermax. Um, Weiss Graphics, and 509, and Moto Seat, and I'm sorry if I'm missing others, but I know he's a big rep for a lot of companies. He also helps, so Davey Frazier is also on the team. And then I got my my local sponsors and my pretty much my lifetime sponsors, uh, 204 Skate Shop, TransCanada Motorsport, Tell Me Out With My Bike, and um, RPM Graphics, local also, the buddy of mine, Respedetta, St. Jean. I got 509 hooking me up, helped me out with uh, Moto and Sleds. So that's 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 a big one there. Uh, their other scope helps with promotion. Um, Northwest Sledder for sledding. Uh, RPM Graphics is also starting Sire Clothing for sledding. That's also gear coming out for next year. Uh, DVS Shoes. Um, and uh, by the by, a recent uh, post looks like Monster is also uh, hooking you up with some products, or is that just to keep you up at night? No, I, no, that's just to keep me up at night. That's just fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well. I, I thank you for doing the uh, the Big MX podcast. Um, I really appreciate you, you coming on, and uh, I think we absolutely uh, knocked it out of the park. Uh, I wanted to be able to tell your story uh, for uh, for all who would like to listen, and uh, uh, any of the sponsors out there who want to look you up and uh, and give you some support. That would be absolutely amazing. Uh, you've uh, you're a, a hard-working guy and an absolute uh, pure talent on a, on two wheels as well as on a sled. And uh, yeah, once again, thanks for being the uh, the, the second guest on the uh, the Big MX podcast. Thank you very much. And uh, I forgot to mention a few thank yous to a few people, if that's okay. Well, go ahead. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm so bad with remembering sponsors and people who helped me out. Like I've a lot of close people that helped me out and I mean like Trevor Greaves, he's huge. He's got me in with my knee and got it fixed when I needed to get fixed and knee braces and stuff when I needed it, like big time there and my parents, I mean, even though they want me out of these sports, they still like it that I'm happy doing what I'm lo- what I love and they got me started in the beginning. And just all my close friends that support me and are behind me. And I mean, there's lots of other supporters out there. And I just want to say thanks. That's excellent. Well, th- again, thanks so much for being on here. And uh, we'll, we'd love to do it uh, again after you've uh, come back after uh, Revelstoke. We'll do a, a recap of that trip. Sweet. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast. Be sure to stay tuned for more episodes. Check out our archive for ones you may have missed. And for more content, BigMXRadio.com is your one-stop shop for Manitoba motocross media.
Give me the 